Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoiseshack podcast. Just a couple of things before we kick off. We are delighted to welcome the Fresh Batch podcast to the Tortoiseshack and it's available right now on patreon.com forward slash Tortoiseshack and the podcast is coming out shortly. It's with Damien Dempsey and it is an absolute belter. So if you aren't a member, jump on the link that's at the top of the podcast right now. Join us to get access to all of our podcasts in one consolidated feed entirely plea free so you don't have to listen to me plea. But plea I must because it is really, really difficult to stay independent, to stay ad-free, to stay away from corporate interests. And by the way, on that feed, you will hear the podcast we just had with Rory Hearn, who is seeking the nomination with the Social Democrats to run for the European Parliament. Myself and Martin sat down with our friend Rory and we had, I would say, conflict with a small C as to why he's doing it, what his, uh, what his values are and what it means for the future of Reboot Republic going forward. That podcast is available right now on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. So while you listen to this podcast, please click the link and help us keep going in 2024, which is the year of elections. We are really looking forward to it, but we need your support. We, we absolutely cannot keep going without your support. Independent media matters more now than ever. And yes, we're a small platform, but we punch well above our weight. So one more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and folks, we go quite across the globe all the time, but one of the places we come back to time and time again uh, are our brothers and sisters in Spain. Martin likes to believe that we're, we've more in common with Spain and Portugal than we do with, with the, uh, the, the Yanks and the Brits. Isn't that right, Martin? Well, I know I do, Tony. I know I absolutely do. Well, and I know that I want to end up in Spain so that me rickets or arthritis or whatever it is doesn't kill me in old age. Old age, old age is in the rearview mirror, pal, right? Yeah, it's, it's very relative. Do you know what I mean? It's like nine o'clock in the morning. I'm old. Yeah. Well, um, look, we, we are delighted to be rejoined on the podcast for the first time in a few months by Owen Gil Martin, uh, the journalist um, in and host of his own podcast in Madrid. Owen, it's good to see you. How are you keeping? Hey, Tony. Good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. As I was saying, the weather the weather's turned nice. We feel like got past winter, yeah, so it's, it's pretty beautiful rub here. Just yeah. rub it in. Just rub it in. So, you know, I spent, spent yesterday evening sitting out on a, on a on a terrace in the bar, so it was, it was pretty nice. Oh, you were having a drink as well, were you? Ju- just, just, just one, you just, know. Yeah. school night and everything. It's <laughs> it, it, yeah. I, I believe I saw an article recently, your, 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 your fellow traveller, um, Joe, Joe Haslam was sharing, it's shown, shown how Madrid is becoming the go-to destination in European capitals for people to want to move to well, what's all this about I don't know I don't know I'm not exactly sure but it might be about sort of wealthy South Americans fl- fleeing sort of you know um, the dangerous sort of left left wing governments there you know it's uh, so they're bu- they're buying up a lot of property and you have sort of little Caracas in a, in a quite posh neighbourhood um, with a lot of fancy Venezuelan restaurants now opening up so we, we're getting a lot of sort of far right Rich South Americans arriving, which which is people Joe would love. Yeah, Joe, people Joe, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's people. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to say, in Joe's defence, he's kind of a Limerick cork man, so they're all far right anyway. Yeah. So he's, <laughs> he's, he's okay. Uh, Joe's going to kill us later, and you know it. Um, yes. oh, <laughs> we're all uh, dead. Um, lads, yeah. lads, just just to be serious for a minute though, when we spoke. Last 
last year it and the, the elections had taken place and it was clear to us that the only coalition that was possible meant bringing in some of the um, Catalan uh, independence movements and we said a deal would have to be done. It kind of felt a little bit like Stormont for a while. Nothing happened. It stayed kind of on ice for a while. But things have come on since then. So, Owen, if you don't mind, the floor is yours. Bring us up to speed on what, yeah. what the deals are done and what we're looking at now. I mean, that's a, that's nearly a good comparison. Yeah, Stormont. I mean, we, we didn't have a government for uh, five months, maybe four or five months. And yeah, I mean, the, the core of the agreement is this quite sweeping amnesty law for the Catalan independence movement. And that deal was reached back in November for, you know, the, the Catalan independent, independentist parties would, would vote for Pedro Sanchez, the uh, head of the Socialist Workers Party here, the center left party. And yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's now we're in deadlock again. They're trying to negotiate the details of the legislation for the amnesty. Um, but it was a big b- breakthrough in, in terms of. Above all, in terms of getting Carlos uh, uh, Puigdemont support from his sort of right-wing, centre-right nationalist, Catalan Nationalist Party, Junst, um, those negotiations went on for a long time. And he's been sort of stuck in a position of, you know, not wanting to be seen as soft on, on Madrid, soft in relation to Spain. You know, he's he's living in exile in, in, in Brussels or whatever you want to describe, self-exile, as some people say, um, you know, facing quite serious charges back back in Spain including and this is we can get into this but one of the reasons why the legislation has now stalled again is because we've had pushback from probably the most politicized judiciary in Europe um and four four years after after the the protests in 2019 in which um pro-independence protesters occupied Barcelona Airport, Puigdemont has now been charged with terrorism relating to that, that events, those events. And it was, you know, four years after there was no, no talk around terrorism until very recently. And basically it's, it's an idea that, okay, so what, what charges cannot fit into the amnesty law? And one of them, one of them is terrorism and the other is high treason. And there's another judge trying to, trying to, I mean, it's it, some of the stuff is actually ridiculous. I mean, trying to frame Puigdemont for for treason, for his relationship with Putin or supposed relationship with with the Russians and Putin, and this this judge actually gave a gave an incredible um, interview to a German newspaper, saying that Putin had told or informed Puigdemont three years before that he was going to invade Ukraine. The CIA didn't know it, the Ukrainians didn't know it, but supposedly the only man who was in on it. Uh, Putin decided to tell was like you know an, an exiled Catalan independent uh, independence leader. I mean, so we have this sort of strange situation in which we have a very politicized ju- judiciary. It's it's comparable to the United States in that sense, where the way the top judges are chosen, you know, it's it's you know it basically depends on the, your political affiliation, and that's 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 another factor here where. A lot of the um, the, ju- um, the judges on the Supreme Court, for example, are against the amnesty, and they're pushing back with 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 some you know very political maneuvers in that sense. Would the judiciary over there be kind of siloed in that over the years there's been judges from this part or would affiliated with this political persuasion 
yeah, from this political no. party. So the I mean the system initially was set up by the the centre left socialist party when they first came to to power in the eighties as a means to denazify after the sort of Francoist dictatorship to, to you know you you couldn't just have judges choosing other judges because all the existing judges were from from the old dictatorship and so it was a means you would have political oversight they would choose the top judges um but it did then open itself to abuses in the 90s and basically the center right popular party have followed you know very consciously followed the strategy of the republican party in in the united states where when they're in opposition and they have a minority in the parliament in which they can block appointments but not nominate their own people necessarily or not nominate a majority to the council which then chooses chooses the judges um that they they just block and so the 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 council which appoints the top ju- judges the general council of the of the judiciary it's called has actually been blocked for five years so, it's mandate so, expired five so, years so, ago oh, and I just want to push in and say it's the equivalent of what we see here all the time in certain situations where when you're in opposition you say this isn't right we can't we have to do something about this and then you get into power and you say this actually suits us let's not change it now because if you have the power then yeah. you know so so it's one of you know myself and Martin often talk about the fact that you know, in Ireland, they say, oh, the draconian de- defamation laws. But as soon as someone gets their arse in the seat, in, in, they don't want to, they don't want to change them, you know, because. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so you had, I mean, you, ha- you had, a, you had a situation back, back in, in the autumn where, you know, these negotiations went on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And when it became clear that a deal was going to be done, you suddenly had these ludicrous charges being, being brought out against, well, both against Puigdemont and against, um, I think the deputy leader of the Esquerra Republicana, which is the centre-left pro-independence party. You know, I mean, terrorism. You know, there was this was a peaceful occupation of an airport, you know, um, in which I think on the same day a German t- tourist had a heart attack and died. But his own family have said this is completely unrelated to the protests. You know, he was an elderly elderly man who had a heart attack. And, but it's been used, That's that's been used by... A very notorious right wing judge on the Audiencia Nacional, the the top criminal court in Spain, to, as, as proof of terrorism. And so you now you now have a situation in which, you know, a politicized what, that that judge in particular is basically threatening, you know, to to cause chaos in these negotiations because the the Catalan yeah because 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 there has been a political settlement. Yeah, there has been. That's the thing. Was this the deal was done? They had they had an, an an initial text. The initial text passed in its first reading in the in the parliament, and then Puigdemont was charged with terrorism. And the issue is that there basically terrorism was one of the few offences that wasn't covered in this amnesty law. Um, and it, you know the socialists don't want to change it because this this law also has to pass. The constitutional court it has to you know pass the test of being constitutional, but because this is a major settlement, I mean you, we're talking um, a situation in which you know you have democratic politicians in exile or unable to stand in elections, um, and you have hundreds hundreds of other people who are either awaiting trial or activists who have been jailed, um, officials, civil servants who have lost their jobs. Or who can or politicians who cannot stand again, etc. And so, you know, this this law will cover hundreds of people. It's not exactly clear. Maybe four hundred, five hundred people. Um, 
And so it's necessary to pass in the next few years. Puigdemont wants to be the candidate in the in the Catalan elections coming up. And so, yeah, you have a you have a situation in which a sort of activist judiciary is getting involved, you know, and basically trying to trying to wreck, you know, this 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 democratic settlement, but you know, between different parties in the parliament. It doesn't bode well, Owen. No, it doesn't. It doesn't no, like I mean, that's but like this is this is Spanish politics. I mean, you know, um, we, you know, it's you have. I think not just a judiciary. You know, I think the Spanish police as well are, are certain elements in it, in it are quite notorious, and I mean politicized. Again, you know, the the popular party famously set up under the previous prime minister Mariano Rajoy set up a. a so-called patriotic police brigades to to smear and investigate both the Spanish left and the Catalan independentists. Um, You're turning they, me off going to live in Spain. <laughs> Don't worry, the, the the tapas make up for it, so you can you can you know it's, uh, as, you know, it's like. As long, as long as you're not wearing a you know a yellow pin, you're big right. It's quite a situation. I, I have one here. <laughs> I know you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is quite um, a situation, Owen, isn't it? It is quite a situation. It you is know, quite a situation. But it's funny when you talk to Spanish politicians; they're just all because this is just the way it's been. You know, it's this is you know you have you know you talk to the Basque politicians; they're like, I mean, for example, we're we're going to maybe get onto Gaza and that stuff. But one of the things, one of the links, the Spanish state have with the Israeli state is is of course the uh, the spyware, no the um which I can't remember the name. what's the name of the spyware? Um but the fa- you know the famous re- Israeli spyware, um Pegasus, Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Um and you know that they you you know the Spanish secret services used it on you know they, they use it on all the Catalan politicians and some of the Basque politicians and you know um Probably without the government knowing, you know, there, there isn't clear, you know, I, I've, t- I've talked to one of the Basque, Basque MPs who was used against it. He says he doesn't believe Pedro Sanchez, the prime minister, knew about this or okayed about it. But probably the defense minister who's on the right wing of the, the Socialist Party did know. So it's like there's a lot of stuff like that going on. Um, and they probably didn't know the extent it was being used. So... In terms of certain institutions in Spain, the democratic accountability is very. Well, then, but then, how is the government performing? Yeah, it's very difficult. So, like, I mean, the last four years, you know, this government got elected twenty nineteen in its first in its first term, and this is something that's repeated in in you know most mainstream newspapers. It's not a sort of fringe opinion. Um, was that their main opposition came from ju- the police and the judiciary, not from the political parties? That the judiciary and the police. We're, we're, we're acting as sort of political opposition to, to the broad left coalition government we have here. Um, you know, fake, fake, um, you know, the, for example, the, you know, there was cases against the former deputy prime minister, Pablo Iglesias, mm-hmm. that went nowhere against other, I mean, I think there's five or six ministers, including center left ministers. How, what, what I really wanted to ask is, how's your hero, Yolanda Diaz, getting on? I mean, the thing, yeah, well, there we go. Uh, how's she getting on? I mean, as you said at the start, I mean, their majority is wafer thin now. It depends on centre-right votes. And to be honest with you, the whole, the whole, the whole, their whole government's agenda at the moment is frozen until the amnesty so, law goes so through. So simply, so simply put, there's no, 
even even the policies that they'd like to implement, like as they had been, you know, um, improving living wages, um, working towards workers' rights, improving these situations. They have, they have it. Like one of the things they can do, they can do sort of executive decrees. No, so they have increased the minimum wage above inflation rates. I mean, I think that's one of the positive steps. You know, they've increased. You know, but I mean, I think major legislation is all is on hold until the amnesty law passes because that needs. That's that's basically the next month, six weeks. They're, they're gonna, and then the question is, can can these people come I, back? You know, there's, and that's not clear. That's not clear if Breach the Monk yeah. they'll, they'll pass the law. The law, the it's it's written in the law. They have two months to judges have two months months to implement it, but the Supreme Court is gonna is going to try and uh, appeal to Strasbourg appeal, yeah. you know, and see if they can hold off as long as possible to apply it. This is, and then the, I suppose the other thing that we've we've touched on a few times that we've spoken about Spain Spain has been trying to up its game in terms of climate action, and I know there was a lot of policies that were supposed to be outlined and implemented there. Has that all hit a roadblock as well? Because I know the right are too I keen mean, on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, they in terms of like EU funding, there is stuff going on there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, this is a huge issue. I mean, one of the, you know, the main one of the main other stories coming out of Catalonia at the moment is the drought. Like, they're they're having hor- a horrific drought. Um, you know, I mean, reservoirs are water supplies. You know, I think it's down to sort of ten fifteen percent. Um, you know, it hasn't it hasn't rained properly in Catalonia in months um so like they're they're facing a huge a few huge crisis in which they're now importing drinking water from valencia in um in tankers they're having to like basically bring in huge amounts of water from other parts of spain um so you know you have you know serious material issues which needs addressing but you have this sort of deadlock in the institutions in which they're trying to pass this amnesty law and so, yeah, it is, you know, you have very pressing issues which need attention and probably aren't getting the attention they deserve as this other stuff is is going on. I just, it concerns me because, again, I think, it's, I, think I made this point on the pod last week where I saw... Um, a family member I know well in in uh, in a part of Catalonia going for a swim recently, and they're never in the sea this time of the year ever ever ever, and it just shows you that there is uh you know like it, it's it's currently twenty degrees um in in places that are you know you're closer to France than you are Barcelona, and it's um yeah it's it's not it's not as things should be in terms of the 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 ebb and flow uh, and and it's just and then when you say to bring in water from valencia you got to understand that they're going to have long droughts in those regions as you go as you move beyond valencia and down towards sort of you know alicante and down below it's going to even get it's these these and they're getting flash flood events now because you know, all of a sudden, there's there's no rain for 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 months, and then there's this downpour of a month's rain in one day, and um and and the drain. Yeah, I mean, there's exactly exactly, and there's huge contradictions here. One 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 of them is, for example, in the south in in Andalusia, again, one of the you know one of the the driest areas of Spain, but then you have these you know huge number of golf courses for tourists. People people fly out you know from Dublin from all all over Northern Europe to play golf in in Malaga, Costa del Sol. But like you know, and you and you you drive a, a, along that coast, and it's you know this barren coast, and you see this like you know the 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 bright green of the of the golf courses. I mean, yeah, it's you you have property uh, property. Is yeah, high. I mean, you're looking at yeah, an exactly area yeah. where you know property on a golf course going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, 
I mean, and the other thing, you know, one of the, you talk about the sort of green infrastructure and stuff. Does Spain, Spain is in, um, investing huge amounts in green hydrogen as a, you know, as an as a sort of clean fuel going forwards. But you know, to, to produce hydrogen on a mass scale, it, it you know it involves huge amounts of water. Basically, you're separating, you know, uh, the hydrogen from the oxygen in in HO two. You know, like it's it's it's, um, you know, to see this through, you're going to have to. You know they're talking about huge desalination plants. Um, yeah, I mean w- water. Water is a scarce source at the moment in 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 Spain. It worries me because I see it. I- uh, you just have to look out in my back garden, Tony, and it's it's four inches deep in water and has been all winter long. You yeah, know? no, where we are actually very very lucky where we are that that we're not. We don't have to go to great lengths to get potable water. We simply don't have to. No, we're, we're spoiled on that. But but um, but but it just it does it just it does strike me that you know the idea of having um the lads with with, with a swimming pool on a golf course. There's, there's going to be a lot of a lot of pressure on that in the years ahead. Um, just own. Let's let's move things forward then into to some of the things that have been happening and making headlines. We would say for the right reasons in in, in our opinion here on this podcast and certainly some of. Spain's um, uh, statements, the Spanish government's statements and actions in terms of the crisis and the genocidal campaign. Let's not forget the ICJ accepted that there's a case for plausible genocide to be answered for by Israel's campaign in Gaza. Um, Spain is a bit of an outlier. Uh, and 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 you went into some detail recently as to why and uh, what that actually means. Do you, do you want to give us a little overview of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean... In in that sense, I mean, I think Spain is the Spanish government is probably the only example in the Western world, certainly in Europe, where where government ministers have called, you know, the murderous campaign that we're seeing in in, in Gaza genocide. I mean, you know, you have, I mean, the 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 five ministers coming from the left, the junior partner Sumar, have all described um, it as a, a genocide against the uh, Palestinian people, including the deputy prime minister Yolanda Diaz. I mean. One of, one of the government ministers, the children. Hang on, sorry, we, we had twenty, and, uh, we, we had twenty minutes, folks. Just anybody's keeping count until he sang Yolanda Diaz's praises. So whoever had twenty, whoever, oh, had, 20, whoever <laughs> had twenty minutes in the poll, you win. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, the question then is, are they? I mean, are they doing enough? I mean, you know, um, you know, once you recognise this, the, the, you know, rightly recognising what is happening is is genocide. I mean, should the government then be? you know, do, doing more. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing, um, you know, like, I guess, as in Ireland, they have pushed back against the defunding um, of, UN, uh, well, they say in Spanish, UNRWA, like the, you know, the, the uh, UN aid agency um, supply, supplying aid to the Palestinian territories. You know, I mean, this, that was one of the most criminal acts. I mean, the fact that you would, def- you know, you would free, you know, suspend and freeze all funding from its was it like the six biggest donors um so spain has pushed back talking to people in sumar they would prefer they would they want you know much larger payments coming from spain but you know countries like spain and ireland can't make up for the deficit if that f- funding goes on much longer you know we, we just yeah. you know you're talking countries like germany the united states we don't they're not con- they can't plug that gap. As just what, I just want to remind um, listeners in context, UNRWA existed because of the original Nakba. They were, they were, so the idea was that UNRWA was, was to, was to 
give aid to refugees. So if you ask any Palestinian person, they'd love to see the end of UNRWA because it means that they would have the right to return and be able to, um, you know, seek independence, uh, autonomy and integrity and dignity in their own land and in their own homes. And but the idea, and so so, there's this fallacy that that it had to be shut down because you know of the somewhere amongst the thirty thousand people who they employ, uh, a half dozen of them may have had links to Hamas, and 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 the, and the evidence of that is is absolutely t- terrible. What they've published, you know. Yeah. Non-existent. So yeah. So oh, far, well, no, anyway. yeah. No, I mean, exactly. Oh, that's you not know. fair. There was a guy on a face on a Facebook group that looked. This is true. A Facebook group that looks for work with UNRWA who had said. On October seventh, he put a posted a message saying Allah Akbar, saying as if like as if he supported what had happened on October seventh, and that must have been just means to to do this. This is the type of bullshit we've to put up with. Yet we go to the ICJ and we show that there's plausible evidence of genocide, and they're allowed to continue doing what they're doing. So the the hypocrisy of the West and Western civilization, if I can use that phrase anymore, is is laid bare in front of anybody who's paying any sort of attention. Rant over. Go ahead, Owen. Sorry. No, exactly. I mean, um, no, exactly. I mean, for example, the Sumar minister, um, Pablo Bustandoy, who's a social affairs minister, you know, said, basically called out what it was, like, you know, the suspension of these funds. It didn't happen, you know, the timing wasn't wasn't by accident. It happened that weekend of, of the ICJ's ruling. So he called it out as, you know, yeah, as an unjustifiable operation of collective punishment towards the Spa- uh, Palestinian people in the aftermath of the ICJ um, um, judgment. And I think, you know, I guess the other, one of the other ministers, the left-wing ministers in Spain, I guess, that, which is an interesting case, is that there is um, there is a, an example of a Spanish-Palestinian minister, uh, Sierra Rego. And Sierra Rego, she, she spent most of her childhood living in, in the West Bank, in occupied East Jerusalem. Um, on October, on October 7th, she wrote, I mean, she wrote on social media, Palestine has a right to resist after decades of occupation, apartheid and exile. In the face of those who today adv- advocate for a return to collective punishment by bombing the Gaza Strip, it is urgent to defend international law. The only solution is an end to occupation. Now, I think you can see the different sort of consensus on this issue in Spanish society. The fact that she was, she was able to write something like that. And a month later, she became a government minister. And that, that you know, writing quite a strong anti-Zionist message on, on October 7th didn't end up with her being cancelled as, you know, or, or ending up with a, a you know, she, with a, she, with a week. She didn't get which, Paddy Cosgraved. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, when you think of, you know, um, other examples in the UK and the US, I mean, you know, the stuff, or, you know, in Germany, the stuff is incredible. So there is, there is a distinct consensus around this issue. Um, in part because anti-Semitism hasn't been weaponized here in Spain. You know, there's no, there's no sense, you know, that as it was obviously in the Labour Party under Corbyn and, and elsewhere. Um, and in general, Spain has had quite a pro, pro, pro-Palestinian line going, you know, going back decades. That, that's partially that's down to the fact that the country has huge economic ties with the Arab it's world. Also- in terms of energy, yeah, I mean, you got to remember, you know, Spain, Spain, Spain is the seventh largest arms exporter in the world, and mo- you know, their their best clients are Arab states. I mean, that that's obviously another the, element the, here. Say, sorry, it's go ahead. It's interesting Mark. that in sorry, Tony, it, it's interesting that it's, I suppose, expe- acceptable mainstream within yeah. within Spain, and even though we we probably have 
just as long a history, just as long a, a tapestry with with Palestine, that the politicians here are afraid to take that final step. Um, in in government, I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah you have a right wing, you have a right wing government. I mean, you know. Um, oh, don't say that out loud. They'll have uh, a fear. But you know what I mean. Uh, I, I I imagine. No, Sinn Fein has how their leadership have described it as genocide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have, yeah, they have. Yeah, they but have, the, yeah. the, 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 the incumbents at the moment, you know, there is, in parts there is strongness, but then there is this awful cowardice as well, you know, that goes hand in hand with it, and they just won't take those final steps. You know, we'll see how Spain get on, or we'll see well, that's how it, you know, yeah. gets on, you know? I mean, that's it. I mean, when you talk with people on the left here, I mean, they want the governments, and, you know, when, if you recognize it as genocide, they should be doing more. I mean, there should be a more comprehensive arms embargo with Israel. There is, in Spain, in Spain they have suspended, because it's now conflict zone, they've suspended all arms trades w- with Israel. But, you know, Sp- Spain have huge contracts with Israel as well, pre- more in terms of importing Israeli technology, um, and they, they don't want to risk that. And that's that's part of the issue. Obviously, the junior co- co- coalition partner, Sumar, are calling for this stuff, but <laughs> It's, it's interesting, though, on the you you reference our right wing government, but we were told going in that obviously the Green Party were going to be the left wing element in 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 government. Ah, yeah, and, I forgot but, about them. But I just this is this is Eamon Ryan's own words a couple of days ago because this is what's important. It's what he's not saying. We will continue to use our voice and influence to push for an end to the horrific violence in Gaza, the release of hostages and the unimpeded flow of humanitarian aid. Notice no word of ceasefire. Notice no word of the ICJ. Notice no word. It's what's missing that that that's telling. He's willing to yeah. say so much, but not any further. And that and that is where we understand where people absolutely pull in their horns and and you know they will they will hide. And it's it it is quite a it's a political cowardice and 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 it and actually I think the Greens. I think the Greens yeah. are going to pay a price for this because they would have... Exactly, ex- exactly, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense electorally for them. I mean, w- one of the reasons that is also pushing, you know, Pedro Sanchez, who is, a ver- you know, a very pro-EU politician, very pro-NATO politician, one of the reasons he has been pushed to call for... He called, he called for um, an immediate and lasting ceasefire back, back in November, he, you know, when nobody was calling for it. And I think, you know, at a governmental level... And one of the reasons was it played so well at home. Like it was an, you know, at, at a point when he was negotiating a very unpopular amnesty law, you know, unpopular outside of Catalonia. I mean, the rest of Spain, the majority of people are opposed to this amnesty law. You know, at the moment when he was, was seen to be negotiating with, you know, um, Puigdemont in, you know, uh, a fugitive from justice, et cetera, you have all that stuff going on. This was a vote winner for him that he took a strong stand on Catalonia or not on Catalonia, on, on Gaza. And yeah, it does surprise me in that sense. Why wouldn't the Greens? Surely, they, I mean, this is a clear example of of a wedge issue, which would you know, they, if they were to take a strong moral stand, just separate themselves from the rest of the government. I mean, yeah, differentiate themselves. Can anyway, I change a little, Owen? And I just yeah. want to ask you, you: You've said about the weather there, and it's getting warmer earlier in Spain. Do you expect tourism to be affected either by earlier tourism? Or less tourism later in the year during the hotter part of the year. Yeah, I mean that is that could be an issue. I mean, people have talked about you know maybe a certain reorientation of of Spanish tourism more towards the north. I mean, the northern coast is beautiful; it's very undeveloped. I mean, it'd be great if it stays that way. Um, and yeah, it's true. I mean, being in Malaga in 
in July, August isn't, you know, it's, it can be pretty unbearable. Um, and so, yeah, it's the, it is. It's the concerns that it's, it, that, you, that the climate is going to, because I mean, it's a massive tourist trade that Spain has, massive. Yeah, it, it is an issue. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, is, there are parts of Spain already where, where tourism is very much, or, you know, um, seasonal. I mean, you know, big inland cities like Madrid or, or Seville wouldn't get the numbers they would get you know, in, in April, May or, you know, September, October. I mean, you know, you'd be crazy to go to Seville in June, July, August, even for first half of September, you know, it's, you know, plus 40 degrees would be impossible. Um, so there is, there is already a certain element, but yeah. The maybe, regions like, regions like Marcia that, that have already been, you know, that were only becoming economically, maybe starting to improve their lot. They, they will struggle a lot. You know what I mean? These, there's, there's, there's all of these areas that, as you said, it will become a, a, a like you see it where the, the expat community, you know, don't summer in their, in their summer homes anymore. They, 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 they and you reference places. It's, but it, it, no, just like you mentioned, I, sorry, it's just that, that with it, with, within the, the whole picture of, of Spain, it's that the power is, the whole base is going to move north, isn't it really? Yeah. I mean, in the long term, you can imagine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they talk about the sort of, I guess, the process of sort of, you know, the Sahara, where will the Sahara end in a hundred years? Will it end basically in Madrid or somewhere like that? You know, it's, um, I mean, that's a, probably a bit of a hyperbole, uh, but like, you know, there is, a, there is, there is deep concern actually, I think in Spain around this, um, at a policy level. But yeah, I mean, obviously the green, the response is the EU green deal, which has certain limits, limits to it in terms of, you know, it is a corporate led green transition, strong emphasis on things like, you know, capital intensive projects like green hydrogen, which, as I said before, you know, raises questions around, um, water supplies and stuff. Look, I just want to say one thing before we wrap. Um, you mentioned, you know, not wanting the Atlantic coast to come online because the the thing you guys all say is keep the secret, you know. And there's that uh, that element of yeah, yeah, all yeah. the way along there. there uh, but there are new there are now ferries, folks, going from Dublin all the way to Santander, and um, you know, uh, yeah. places like Asturias are going to become places that you you never thought you'd visit, but you're going to love. Uh, that's uh, and these. Oh, incredible! Yeah, no. If I if you're if you're thinking of a of a Spanish holiday, I, I do really recommend the story is. I mean, the other I guess the other issue, just to, sorry to go back on that, is the question of Spain's southern border. Then, because you know you're going to have the question is climate refugees. You're going to have thousands of people. Um, whatever the whatever the effect on mainland Spain. I mean, you know, Spain Spain has a huge huge coastal border. It's impossible. You know, however much money they throw at Morocco to 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 operate as their policeman. There's, there's going to be other routes opening up. And so they, you know, you, we can see that at the moment, you know, the, the, probably the most intense, intensive movement or, you know, movements in terms of uh, arrivals to European territory in the last six months have been to the Canary Islands. And you have tens of thousands of people arriving, at, um, you know, particularly on, on one of the least inhabited Canary Islands, El Hierro, which, you know, you're, which has a population of, I don't know, 30,000 people. I was talking to a counselor there and they're, you know, they're, they can't, they can't cope, you know, and that's, you know, you, you have a destabilization already in places like Senegal, um, along the, the West Atlantic coast there. And people, people are traveling two weeks up from, from Senegal now. Thousands are arriving in the Canaries. Um, in awful in awful conditions in the middle of winter. Norm normally, the, yeah, you know, yeah, normally yeah. you they don't wouldn't do, see they wouldn't do it, they wouldn't, the number of arrivals. They don't risk the yeah, they don't. 
And it's yeah, crazy. And and I hadn't. Sorry, go ahead, oh, Martin. We, we we do need to bring this to a head, but no, but sorry, I do think it's ahead, a terrifying. Yeah, Martin, I'm glad you brought it because it's a terrifying vista for you know um, what, what when you see the likes of what Frontex are being funded to do, and the amount of bodies that. And that's I'm sorry. Just just to go back to Gaza. I mean, you know, I think we should, you know, acknowledge the the position of, of the Spanish government on on Gaza. But la- last week. And the, di- the di- you know the the distance between someone like Pedro Sanchez and von der Leyen um, on on Gaza is, is enormous. But last week the two of them travelled together to Mar- Mauritania to sign a, a you know a, a a border security deal with the government of Mauritania. In terms of you know Mauritania is, is a is a crucial um, state in terms of the the route to the Canary Islands. And so you know they're gonna they're. Their, their solution is militarization of, of the borders, but you have 2,000 kilometers or you have, a, you know, 1,000 kilometers of, of West African coast. It's it's impossible to to properly police. It is. It's a nightmare. Owen, thank you for coming on and have this conversation. As always, wide-ranging, very interesting. Yeah. Um, We feel really, really sorry for you that when this is over, you have to go out into nice balmy weather. <laughs> exactly it's terrible just, no, you can... and just enjoy yourself it's, we're not not in the least bit jealous not in the least bit but thank you very much for coming on and having this conversation with us no as always it's, it's, Cheers, it's great Owen, to talk we really appreciate it and we will hope to go to discuss with our friend in Portugal Joe Pina soon and we'll be going back to uh, Latin America with Nicholas Dale Leal so yeah we've 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 a lot coming your way uh, and uh, we always love touching base with Owen uh, I, I want to say before we wrap apologies to Joe Haslam um, I've just received your solicitor's letter <laughs> and we will talk to you soon folks take care I'm, I'm, cha- I'm changing my address but anyway yeah. <laughs> Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.